Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. We are going to tell the story this morning in a different way. <laughs> You'll see there are some parts listed, so let's practice. I would like you to all start by making your donkey noise. Ready? One, two, three. Hee-haw! And then Jesus, when we hear Jesus, we're just going to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when the word crowds comes up in our story, we're going to clap and cheer. Woo! Very nice. Thank you. And the palms, this one is the easiest. We're going to raise, wave our palms. One hot day, it was the festival of Passover. So Jesus, 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 and his friends walked all the way to Jerusalem. When they got close, Jesus, Jesus told his friends that he needed a donkey for the last part of the journey so that all the crowds could see him. Jesus' friends, Jesus, 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 didn't know where to get a donkey. But Jesus pointed them towards a village and said that they could find a donkey there. He was right. And soon he had a donkey. Jesus got on the donkey, and they rode into Jerusalem. As soon as they were inside the city, there were crowds everywhere. The crowds waved their palms, and they clapped their hands, and they cheered to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Some of them even threw their palm, palms and coats on the ground for Jesus, 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 Jesus. on the donkey to walk over. It was a wonderful welcome for Jesus. They Jesus, Jesus, Jesus thank you. I almost forgot. They were <laughs> they were welcoming their king with their palms. Please be seated. And as you do so, if you'll take a minute to reground yourselves, uh, as we did in our breath of spirit, we're going to enter into a different way of hearing the story this morning. This is an Ignatian way of reading scripture. Some of you have experienced this. And so as I read through the scripture a second time in a new way, 
I invite you to settle in, to close your eyes or find a loose gaze, and to see where you might be in this story. So it's a meditative way of reading the story, and you may find yourself in one place that you carry throughout the story. You may find that your perspective shifts. We're beginning again just as Jesus and the disciples are coming near Jerusalem. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went, and they did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I invite you to let that story sit on you in whatever way it did, and to let that keep with you in the next couple days as we are journeying through Holy Week. There is a um, movement within psychology called narrative psychology, and it's focusing on how we tell the stories that we tell. It says that the stories that we tell and how we tell them are the key to our well-being. And so what this means at a very base level is that we will have positive and negative experiences in our lives. And it is how we look at that experience that matters. So if we've had a minor traffic accident on our way to work, we have the choice of focusing on how terrible it was, how unlucky we are, how bad that other driver was. Or we could focus on how lucky we were not to be hurt. How grateful we were for the bystanders that stopped and how helpful that police officer was when she came. Those are two ways of looking at the same incident. One of them leads to greater happiness and the other leads to greater suffering. The interesting thing about this is that it's not just about one-time optimism. It's about how the stories shift over time 
and the power that that story has when it shifts. So if you're anything like me, your immediate reaction to the car accident might very well be, dang it, now I'm late for work, why did this have to happen on today of all days? And over time, it may shift for you. It's not that the experience changes. It's that our understanding of what happened changes as we examine and re-examine it. Looking for new truths alongside the old ones and deciding which ones are going to become a central part of our story. One of the things that Christianity has always had to grapple with is how to tell the story of this week. It starts with a victory march, and it ends with a tomb. And yet somewhere in there we believe that God was at work. In fact, Christians have often claimed that this is the definitive week in God's acts of salvation in the world. That's a story shift. It's moving the story from one about a lost revolution to a story about victory nonetheless. And not to spoil the ending, but I think it's true that this is ultimately a story of grace. I will say, though, that one possible story that comes out of this week is the idea that Jesus marches into town intent on offering himself as a sacrifice. And you've heard versions of this. It may be some of the theology of some of the biblical writers, although not all of them. And it becomes very popular throughout history in different evangelical movements making it the theology that many of us grew up with, or at least around, and in some cases in reaction to. It's why today, as we close off Lent and we begin Holy Week, they invite us to wrestle once again with the possibility of a story shift. I'm asking us to continue to grapple with this story, perhaps in a new way for some of us. I'm asking us to hold up a different way of understanding Palm Sunday and Holy Week. As long as we hold on to the possibility that God saves us because of the death of Jesus, I believe that we are making room for the possibility that sometimes, at least once, death and torture and war and violence are suitable means to an end. And so I offer instead the possibility that what this story says to us is that God works despite these things, not because of them. While it may seem like theological hair-splitting, I actually think that we are called to live into this ever more deeply. And I would hold up the story shift possibility here that some of you, many of you, are already wrestling with. That suffering is never desirable. And violence is never redemptive. In their book, The Last Week, John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg present an interesting background against which we might understand Palm Sunday. 
They argue that two processions really came into Jerusalem that day. They argue that every year the Roman governor of Judea would ride into Jerusalem to be present for Passover. It was a peacekeeping mission, so to speak, a way of reminding the Jewish people that while they might be celebrating their liberation from Egypt all those years ago, Rome is much more powerful and very much in control. Borg and Crossan in their book describe this stunning display of military power. They describe men on horseback, scores of others on foot, armor glinting in the sunlight and dust swirling up around their feet. And you can hear it. The horses stomp, stomp, stomping into the city. And when I hear their description, I remember, too, that the Roman rulers carried the title Son of God. So with this background, Jesus' entry on a donkey looks a little different. It looks a little bit more like an intentional protest against this military rule. And while he might very well have known that it wasn't going to end well, he might very well have been willing to lay down his life for this cause. It was to stand up against violence. I wonder how our relationships would shift, how the world would look different if we committed ourselves to acts of radical peacemaking. You know, social media has given us a new way of measuring the power of stories, and that's through engagements. Facebook sends me little notices about how many people have engaged with something that Lily or I have posted on the church Facebook page. And WordPress sends me similar reports on how many people have engaged with blog posts on my personal site. And of course, the bigger that number is, the better I feel. But what the statistics can't tell us is how many people were changed by what they read. Who was comforted or challenged or left with a new idea? All we really know is that the number of changed people is substantially less than the number of engagements. One way to look at Palm Sunday is that it is a story about engagement and change and the difference between the two. The writers of the Gospels tell us that the streets were lined with people. They liked Jesus. They engaged with him. They appreciated his message of peace. But as the week goes on, their commitment level drops. They move on. They're looking for a new story, one that promises a faster fix or an easier answer. And we have been looking for it ever since. Throughout the Lenten season, we as a congregation have been re-examining the practices of Lent and the stories of Holy Week. The adult Sunday school class has been exploring what Lent means and what practices are helpful. And they have been drawing on traditions ranging from Christian practices like Lectio Divina to the Dutch practice of Huga, or self-comfort. Others in this congregation have been creating art, illustrating Jesus' last day for our Stations of the Cross on Friday. And still others have been writing and rewriting reflections for those stations, carefully drawing on their own stories 
as well as the biblical story in order to imagine what Jesus might have experienced on his way to the cross. As I've had the privilege to be part of those conversations, what becomes clear to me is that this story, this story of Holy Week, has the power to tear us apart. If you observe the week, and I hope you will, you will as likely as not be brought to the brink of despair. Not just for Jesus and his suffering, but for the world at large. And so the best advice I can offer is to let that happen. We need to be broken by our stories every now and then. We need to let ourselves experience the terror of a man on death row. The heartbreak of a child watching as his mother watches as he is taken away. We need to experience the dash hopes of people who are just looking for a better life. And we need to experience the self-loathing of friends who could have and should have done better. It's only then, I think, that we can really comprehend what it means to be a people of peace. It is only then that we can imagine the sacrifice, but also, and more importantly, the promise of following Jesus. I think narrative psychology has it right. Telling and retelling our story shapes us. But I also think that as long as we are focused on our personal happiness, or even our personal salvation, we will be lured onto an easy path. It's when we commit and recommit to the idea that our story only matters as part of a bigger story that we will find what we need to follow Jesus and his way of peace. May this week break you and may you find grace at the end. Friends, as you go out to observe Holy Week and retell your stories. May God bless all of us with discomfort. Discomfort at easy answers, at half-truths, at superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger. Anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. And may God bless us with tears, tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with foolishness, Enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so that we can do what others claim cannot be done. Go out a blessed people of peace.